You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles, the late season edition. Those sound effects sucked. Any, anyway, uh, today's all about late season. It's a BS session with my buddy Josh Rayleigh, and as you will hear in the intro, he was my third pick for uh, today's episode. The first two guys uh, I tried to schedule for this episode backed out on me. Both of them, they're both sons of bitches. I won't name their names, just to let, but you know who you are, you dirty bastards. <laughs> Sorry for the language, but they are, they're dirty bastards. Today we're talking about late season, and we're going to be talking about Josh's late season activities. It's a very quick, to the point episode. Uh, I got family downstairs that I'm, so, I guess I'm supposed to be hanging out with, so that's why it's a quick episode. But quick episode, we're going to talk about Josh's uh, plans for an Alabama rut hunt, uh, a little bit of scouting in Georgia that he's been doing, uh, my uh, upcoming late season hunt. We got snow on the ground. We got standing corn. We got decent bucks on camera some of them are three-year-olds that I, I just hope I don't see and then a couple of them are uh, some old gnarly you know not big in the rack but they're definitely mature bucks and uh, I'd rather have one of them show up than a like a, a 165 class three-year-old that's running around so I would rather have the old boys show up and really the goal is to fill the freezer I talk all about that on today's episode but we're talking late season before we get into that, though, we're going to do the commercials like we always do. Uh, let me back up a second. Before we do the commercials, I want to say when it comes to opportunity, I feel like late season, especially if there's snow on the ground, gives you an awesome 
advantage over the deer because it's just a map of where these deer travel, where they've been. The only thing that you kind of try, you have to do is try to get on them at daylight, right? They're going back to that bed to food pattern. So if you have a tag left in your pocket, go take advantage of it. Go try to do it. And I think you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised of the outcome. Now, because uh, my goal is to straight up put meat in the freezer because I didn't get to uh, harvest or harvest the meat off my buck this year because the coyotes got to it first. Now, commercials. Huge shout out to Tethered. If you're looking for a saddle, saddle hunting accessories, you got to go check out Tethered. They have platforms. They have saddles for all shapes and sizes. They have climbing sticks. Uh, they have all the saddle hunting accessories that you could need. And plus, they have a network of people who use their products that only want to do one thing and that's educate you on becoming a better saddle hunter so go visit uh, the tethered's website for tons of information about how to become a better saddle hunter and their youtube page wasp broadheads uh, a partner that has been man i don't know about day one but day two they've uh, they've been with me and a huge great relationship with wasp broadheads love those guys love the product so if you're looking for next year or to finish out this year giving some new broadheads a try you got to check out the wasp jackhammer i'm a huge fan of that blade it does absolute destroy destroys it straight up destroys everything that it hits and that's what you want a broadhead to do and on the marginal shot that i had this year i I, i'd be honest i feel like the wasp performs so well on that marginal shot that deer didn't go far at all and uh, it was because of my, my broadhead, I guess, uh, doing damage. So wasparchery.com discount code. I got it right here. Hang on. Discount code. Discount code. NFC20. NFC20 for 20% off. Wasparchery.com. Uh, hunt stand, right? When I'm out there again, late season, it's, it's time for everybody to start thinking about... Uh, like postseason, late season scouting, your season's over. Right now is the best time to go get out in the woods. There's no vegetation. Uh, there's snow on the ground in the Midwest. There's, you know, everything's dead. It's going to give you the opportunity to really get an idea of how the land lays. And then you can mark out on hunt stand everything that you find. It's like a journal entry. But on top of that, it's just a place for you to educate yourself on how deer move through the the terrain and you can see that with your boots on the ground scouting you put that on your e-scout you match that with your e-scouting and you just journal and document everything you see i don't know what else to say i mean they have the pro whitetail platform now that's available on a hunt stand that allows you to see a rut indicator forecast deer movement weather forecast just so much great stuff huntstand.com go read up on it yourself tons of great information and last but not least vortex optics right really great people customer service a plus products a plus and when you have a product and a group of people that are both a pluses and i'm not going to try to do any crazy equations or math on you here i'm just trying to tell you that vortex optics is a great brand with great products and great people and that's a win right that's all you want vip warranty you break it bust it smash it eat it then poop it out put it in a box send it to them they will fix it for free and then they'll send it back to you that's their vip warranty vortexoptics.com go check them out all right that's it let's get into today's late season episode with my man josh Rayley. three two one 
All right. I hate to say this, Josh, but <laughs> you are the third person that I reached out to today <laughs> to try to get a, a podcast done. So you weren't my first choice or my second choice, but I had two guys back hey. out on me today. You know what, man? I'd rather be third on your list than first on somebody else's. <laughs> That's funny. So. Yeah. I don't know about that, but, uh, but, uh, we're, we're done here. And, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to get an episode out. That's all I really care about. I wanted to get an episode out. I want to talk a little bit about late season today, but, uh, before we get into that, how was your Christmas? Man, Christmas was really, um, it was really good. Yeah. So we're back in, in Georgia now, Western side of Georgia, which means we're back closer to family. And so Christmas was absolutely dominated by, uh, six kids that are eight and under. Yeah. And so it was actually nine, 10 kids that are eight and under. So it was in, it was pretty intense. Yeah. It was pretty intense, but it was good. It was yours. Oh dude. And, and so it was just three of my kids, my three kids. And so we were supposed to, yesterday we were supposed to go and we're recording this on a Monday. Uh, and, and so yesterday on the 25th, we were supposed to go to my dad's and do Christmas there. And so the day before my daughter had a temperature of 102, the day before, or the whole week before my youngest son was sick again. And so we, we canceled that, but that just meant that we were in the house all day yesterday, all day, the day before extreme cold temperatures. We had blizzard conditions here in Iowa. So I love my family, but we were on top of each other the whole time. And I think nerves were starting to get burnt out. Yeah. Getting, getting a little raw there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so finally, yeah. Yeah. So finally I said, everybody in the car. (laughs) So we got in the car, we went on a a drive and actually we've, we have this weird tradition and uh, the more I talk to people, it's not as weird as what I think it was, but we go out for Chinese or we go out for sushi on Christmas day on, you know, for Christmas supper, if we're not doing something with family. So for the last couple of years, whenever we've been home and all day long, like, you know, play, play with your presents or the kids are playing with their presents or we're watching Christmas movies or taking naps that night, we'll go and we'll, we'll grab a bite to eat somewhere and, and everything is closed except Chinese restaurants. And so we, we go to Chinese restaurants or a sushi place and, uh, I stuffed my face with some sushi. There you go, man. Yeah. That's a good relief for the, uh, for a long stressful day. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, I was, dude, I, I don't know about you, but I bet you if I, if I put a weight to the amount of cookies that I have eaten in the past four days, I bet it would make people throw up just listening to how much crap I dude. I, I bet you I ate eight pounds of cookies in, in the last four days, four or five days, dude. I would laugh harder, but I'm right there with you. Like I had to take a break <laughs> because I was, I was having a hard time breathing. Right. Like it's, it's getting a little bit, it's getting a little bit too much. I'm ready for the sweets to be put away for a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I, so, so we have one more Christmas that we have to get through every year. My mom and my stepdad and his family, we all meet up 
and we rent out like a cabin or something that just has a whole bunch of bedrooms and, and a whole bunch of space for all the, you know, the, what, four, five families basically to, to join together. And, uh, and again, that's just a, a endless buffet of whatever you want, right? Food, sugar, booze, all that, you know, all the stuff that's bad for you. And, uh, we just, pig out for two days, watch football for two days. And then, then after that, I can finally, I say that right before I get ready to go to the ATA show, which really isn't a healthy week any either, but the, <laughs> the goal is to, the goal is to get back on uh, a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle and do some working out so that, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm ready for this time of year to be over, to be honest with you. Yeah, I've I've literally pushed my body to the point where <laughs> I'm absolutely of sweet stuff. I'm sick of like desserts. I, I can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm literally making myself sick. So yeah. by January first, I'll be ready to come back on a healthy healthy yep. track. Yeah, I like it how you talked about your body as if you were some kind of high level athlete. Like what I've put my body through in the last. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's like we tortured our bodies, but in the worst possible way by just. Yeah, it's uh, in the wrong direction. The wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you for thank you for doing this last minute for me, even though you were the third person I I tried today. But um, let's talk late season. And it's funny. It's funny because I'm getting ready. We're recording this on a Monday. And so. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, I will be headed down to a new farm that uh, that I had that that I got access to this year, and I'm going to be trying to do a little late season. Uh, you know, it's going to basically be a, a three day late season mission, and in that time period, we're going to be probably going through three three afternoon hunts and two morning hunts, and really trying to hope, you know, I don't know, hopefully get, uh, at least a doe on the ground for the freezer, but, uh, there's a couple good bucks running around there. It sounds like as far as late season is concerned, uh, late season is a term that I almost feel is only viable in the North because in the South, in Georgia, you have a rut hunt yet to take part in, right? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, so I'm actually, <clears throat> that'll be down in Alabama. Alabama, yeah. So where I'm at, yeah, where I'm at in Georgia, we have a little bit of a late season, but, you know, it, it's big woods hunting. There is no ag or anything like that. And so, you know, it, it can be pretty tough right around here. But in southern Alabama, uh, those first 10 days of February are pretty dynamite. Like those, that is our November 1st through 10th. Yeah. Down there. That's when we see chasing. That's when we see bucks cruising in the middle of the day. So, so yeah, I've got that upcoming. So, you know, when I think about late season, that's really uh, a newer consideration for me since moving to Wisconsin a couple of years ago. 
because before that there was no late season. There was right. early season and then there was rough and then the season was over. Right. Right. And that's, uh, and depending on who you talk to, right. A lot of it has to revolve around food, but if your rut is, especially in the South, if your rut is towards the tail end of the, the hunting season, you could end your season with a bang. Unfortunately here in, oh. I- in Iowa, I feel like I get excited. I hunt, I tag out. This is the past couple of years. I tag out and then, and there's still a whole bunch of season left. And it's just like, eh, you know, I, I get, it's not like I'm burnt out, but it's just like the rut's over. So it's not, I don't know. Maybe I'm spoiled. No, I get that, man. I, I have felt the same way. Uh, honestly, hunting Wisconsin the last couple of years, it's just kind of like, all right, I'm tagged out. Yeah. I can get a deer for, you know, for the gun season, or I can get out and chase some does with a bow later in the season, or even a couple of uh, holiday hunts kind of thing for, with the gun. But um, yeah, same thing for me, man. I've, I've had a lot of, difficulty getting motivated to to get out in the timber here in georgia after tagging a buck in wisconsin now i'm just kind of like well it'd be real nice to just cruise on into turkey season and and get ready for that rather right. than try to try to find acorns that are still on the ground or something like that in these big woods yeah yeah so i mean this is no surprise what we're going to be talking about today uh food okay and so i'll, I'll just kind of let, let's actually let me let me ask you this. You, you talk about Georgia and you talk about these big woods and trying to locate acorns and acorns to me, I don't ever see them. And this is just my personal opinion because I don't really focus on acorns as a, as a main food source or a food source that I'm, I'm necessarily hunting over like I would, uh, or not necessarily over, but or on a trail leading up to uh, like a cornfield or a bean field in the Midwest. How difficult is it late season to find some kind of acorn ridge or acorn, like a standalone acorn tree that deer are hitting at a consistent enough basis for you to want to get out there and go set up on it? Yeah, it can be, it can actually be really, really tough. Um, You know, here in Georgia, where I'm at, the Northwest part of the state, a lot of the acorns have dried up by now. Um, If you're in some other places like Alabama, if you're in, uh, you know, Louisiana, some of the other states that I've hunted, um, you can actually find trees that are hot and just starting to drop on into January with yeah. different species of oaks. So in a lot of those places, and you hear guys like Warren Womack uh, talk a bit about uh, feed trees. And that's a really good strategy if you're hunting somewhere in the deep, deep south, like Louisiana, like he does, because you can hunt active acorn trees from September on and through when the season ends, just keep moving tree to tree, finding the grove or the clump of trees that the, that the deer are preferring. But this part of Georgia, it can, it can be really, really tough. Yeah. And you just mentioned a name there that I have to send a shout out to. If you don't know who Warren Womack is, you need to go check him. You need to go check him out. Cause how old is he now? Like he's in his eighties, right? Oh, at least. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So he's been and a he's still say what I said, and he's still out there killing. Oh yeah. Still going. Uh, now he's not no, he's not a big buck hunter. He is, he's a deer hunter period. Right. And so if you don't know who yeah. this guy is, this guy has killed more deer than you and your whole family combined. So like in, in his, <laughs> in his lifetime, this, I think he's on like yeah. 600 some deer. Close to, close to 600. Yeah, it's 
if not over that. It's way. Yeah. Yeah. The amount of deer you have to kill in your lifetime, you you either have to have high volume every single year, or do you have to be hunting for a really long time? And I think he's done both. Yeah, he's combined the two. Yeah. I mean, you look at different seats. I mean, he's killed 20 plus deer a year for a lot of years. Yeah, for um, sure. He's slowing down a little bit now. I, I, I shot him a message not long ago to see if he'd come on one of my shows. And uh, it sounds like he's slowing down a little bit. But yeah, but uh, yeah, he's still a killer. Yeah, for sure. All right. So anyway, he talked he talked about feed trees. Explain to the listeners what a feed tree is. Yeah. So one of the things we deal with a lot in the big woods, uh, we obviously don't have ag. So we've got to find where the deer are keying in kind of as a bit of a destination. Yeah. And feed trees are kind of what I would consider the destination feeding location. And it just happens to be a tree that's dropping acorns. And, you know, who knows why sometimes it's one tree over another, but there will be one in a specific grove. You may have 10, 15 trees in an area that are all dropping Um, but one of them is preferred over all the rest. And when you get there, there's no mistaking it there. It's, you know, tilled up underneath it. The leaves are all scratched back. There's, you know, acorn shells all over the ground. There's deer crap everywhere. I mean, you can tell this is the spot. Right. Right. All right. So big woods, feed trees, kind of hard to, to find when it comes to lack of agriculture, are, is there any other um, significant signs late season that you you tend to look for or identify to say, hey, there's deer here? Yeah, I mean, for 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 me, it, it comes back to clear cuts. I mean, I, I will say I'm pretty new to this region where I'm at right now as far as, um, you know, hunting some of these more mountainous areas. Uh, so down south, you know, things are a little bit different further, further down and food plots play a little bit bigger role. But here uh, I'm going to be hugging those clear cuts pretty close yeah. because there's still a ton of woody brows and, you know, really having to pay close, close attention because these mountain bucks, they do not leave a ton of sign. Uh, these deer are much smaller body wise, you know, 150, 160 pounds is a really big buck. And so you're having to pay real close attention, not only to. Uh, tracks to, you know, wherever you're maybe seeing some old rut sign, but especially where you're finding a lot of that woody browse is getting nipped off. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like after hearing what you say, it's like, I have to look for these really detailed things, right. In order to find, like, I have to go out and do late season scouting to identify it. Me, I have the luxury of a whole bunch of different things working in my favor for late season. And one is, agriculture right i mean just endless amounts of food that has been left on the ground from combines and the harvest or in the scenario that i'm dealing with now here this year which i never ever get to experience but standing crops so one of the fields that is next to the property that i hunt it's not on the property i hunt Guy calls me up and goes, hey, Dan, just want to let you know there's standing corn on this property. It looks like it got stunted and the ears, they developed, but not all the way. So it's a, from my understanding, it's a crop insurance uh, claim. And so all, so all this, all this food is still in this field. 
it's not the big healthy kernels like you would see in, or uh, cobs of corn when you when you would harvest but it's uh it's smaller but still the deer are eating it so i have that going for me i have snow on the ground going for me which just straight up identifies deer movement period I mean, it, it, oh, it, it's a roadmap. It says, okay, here are, here are the deer trails. And on top of that, and this yeah. is where it starts to get a little. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I don't know if you want to say cheaty, like cheating almost, or, or a real big upper hand. I got a couple cell cameras out and I am, I have identified deer movement in certain places on this farm. That is the same exact time every morning and every night they're starting to come through back on that bed, like that hardcore bed to feed pattern, right? The rut's over. There's no more real randomness to, to it. And so the thing about it is my, my tree stands that I already have set up are in the low part of this farm where I can't get any cell coverage. And I feel like this is where the deer are coming from at some point. It's just good to know from the cell cams that a there's deer in the area and be there um like so with with the tag that i can have i have a doe tag left over from archery season i can use that i have the ability i'm going to go to the store and i'm going to buy a late season muzzle loader tag which i can use my bow to hunt with and so that can be that's an any sex tag so i can shoot a, another buck if i want to so that's the that's what's laid out for me here in in iowa and it's almost like listening to i don't even want to talk about it because compared to what some people have to go through to locate a late season buck or just a deer in general is way way harder than what i have to go do like i can just (laughs) go on a drive and be like hey look there's corn in that field i'm gonna hunt by that field yeah yeah, for sure, man. I that's one of the things that I I really miss about late season hunting in Wisconsin yeah. is you know having the snow, having the predictability of the deer movement with all the ag fields. So is this spot where you're going? Is that the one where there may or may not be a buck with a busted rack? That is correct. That is correct. And I'm glad you asked that question because okay. I I wanted to. Uh, so what are you gonna do? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, He's a good deer. He's a good one. He's a good deer. Okay, so here's the scenario laid out for you. Within the past, uh, let's just say ten days. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back ten days. I have a deer that is, I believe he's an eleven pointer. Uh, could be a ten. Uh, you know, I haven't really had any great pictures of him, but I have pictures of him. I think he's he's close to a three year old. I think he's more three year old than four. But there are some pictures of him that make him look big and old and mature so i honestly just don't want to see that deer but he's alive i got him on cell cam all right so i know he's in the area the the eight pointer that i well he's an eight point with a split g2 i missed him twice the 
the uh, the first day of my rut vacation. And then the next day, or what was it? No. Then two days later, he showed up again, and I got a real good look at his body, and I said, hell, man, he's also kind of young. He looks young. So I passed him the next time I saw him. But he is, I mean, he looks good. And so another deer that I know is alive, but I don't necessarily want to, want to, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I hope he doesn't show up. And then we have this deer who is no, a no doubt four, five, six. I mean, he's a giant bodied, without a doubt, big mature buck, but half of his entire right side is broken off. So he, he only, and I think both of his brow tines are busted off. So he's like, uh, let's just, I, I'm assuming that he would be in this mid one sixties to low one seventies buck as a five-year-old let's just say a five-year-old 165 170 class buck if he had everything there but he doesn't and so i put the i put the feelers out on social and i was like hey are you shooting a a late season buck or a, a broken buck late season and everybody's like you know most people were like yes shoot the deer shoot the deer shoot the deer some people who and i don't know who they are but you know some people I would say 75, 25, 75% of the people said to shoot him. 25% said, don't, don't shoot him. Let him, let him go. And maybe next year you can shoot him. And so I have all of these good deer on this fairly small acreage that are here right now, which is great. So let me ask you the question. What do you think I should do? Should I shoot the broken buck if he comes by or do I let him walk for next year? Yeah, so let me let me talk out of both sides of my mouth real quick because yes. if, I'm, if I'm Josh Rayleigh, yep, and I am here in Georgia, or or if I'm back in Wisconsin hunting a place that you know, so is everyone else, I'm probably shooting that deer. Yeah, but if I'm Dan Johnson in Iowa with this pretty sweet farm that you picked up, that there's no indication you're going to lose permission. Correct. Correct. <clears throat> Okay. And that you have basically the lock on cover in this area. Is that, is that right? I mean, you, there, there's not, there's zero pressure on this farm besides you. Right. Other than, other than the occasional farmer coming through and mowing or combining things like that. Yes. Uh, I am the only, I am the only hunter on this, on this farm. Yeah, man, if you think if you think next year he's he's something you'll be happy to shoot. I mean, he's older already, like you said. If he's going to be that 165, 170 mark, I would probably go ahead and give him the pass this year. If he was going to be, you know, a 5 or 6-year-old 130-inch buck again next year, one that you wouldn't in your situation, one that you're not necessarily looking for, then I would go ahead and take him this year. Yeah, but I think he could be something special next year. So I, if I was you, I'd hold off. Yeah, and so here, here is the way I look at it. All right, so based on scientific research, shooting a small antler deer, let's say an eight pointer. If you shoot an eight point buck, you're trying to call, you're trying to uh, call the herd, and you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to take an eight point buck out of the genetic pool." That has that will not affect the genetics whatsoever. Period. Um, so right. that, that's research, right? But 
if I do yep. shoot a buck, regardless of its age or size, what it does is it reduces the amount of pressure on that property, meaning maybe another deer will come in, uh, maybe another buck will come in and call that deer, that place home. So part of me, there's a lot of does on this farm too. So part of me wants to kill a great deer, but also, also there's two bucks on this farm. One is like, I think he's got six, he's a six or a a four on one side, but then he has like a a 10 inch spike coming out of his other side. I would shoot him in a heartbeat if he comes through, not for any reason other than it's a unique rack and it would be removing a buck from that farm. The other one is like another four or five big bodied, big old deer, probably in the one twenties, just the spindly, I don't know, oh, yeah. really long main beam deer would love to shoot him. Hopefully, you know, get him out of there. But there are a couple deer or a couple bucks that I feel like, number one, they're never going to be giant antler wise. And this is, you know, crazy of me to even think about this at this point, uh, like managing, managing a farm and removing specific deer so that other deer may want to come in. But I do feel like I need to like if I had my if I had my 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 way my perfect ending to the season it would be a killing one buck and one doe off this farm or b killing two does off this farm and I think that would actually yeah. help relieve some of the deer pressure on this farm even though it's already holding good deer I just want it I, I want it to hold the right deer and so that eight point with a split G two has been a homebody the entire time. He's still alive. The 11-pointer, he's still alive. Um, the broken buck, he's a bo- here's, he's what I call a bonus buck, meaning I didn't have any pictures of him until uh, a couple weeks ago. So he showed up. He's been pushed into the area probably by shotgun hunters. And so he's finding refuge Ooh. here. So I don't know, man. It, it's, uh, it's probably going to be a game-time decision. Yeah, that, that's a tough one, especially you've got those younger deer, man, that you really want to see in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be really great to open up a spot for, you know, may, maybe you don't end up with a five- or six-year-old that's going to run them off. Yeah, yeah. And you know so, what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I look at I look at late season as a bonus for, for how I hunt. I know a lot of guys are out there. They've planted the, you know, the really big food plots. They've They've – put fence around it they've kept the deer out and now the deer are slaves to their stomach and it's just like a cheat code in a video game they all come out to this to these standing crops and so yep they have the ability to do that and they plan for that this year is a bonus for me because i don't ever get to do that and now i have a scenario where i can so this is just like a bonus tag for me and i i'm excited about it not not like the rut though. I'm not really excited for it like I am the rut because there's something magical about the rut. But I'm my success of whether I kill a deer or not, I don't kill a deer. I'm it's just like a bonus to me. So I'm not really I'm I'm not really crazy amped about it. But at the same time, I'm 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 very happy that I have the ability to go and do what I'm about to do. If that yeah, makes, and if that makes and sense. you can you can have the Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can have the freedom too, where you're not like, Oh, I've got to save my best spots for 
the rut that's coming up in a couple of weeks, you know, that late season dilemma yeah, uh, or that early season dilemma of I yeah. want to get out there, but I don't ruin the property. You can pretty much do whatever you want to now and not, yeah. not have to worry about your impact. Yeah. And for the most part, the, I look at it this way, the, the, the three deer that were homebodies on this farm that have made it through the, the shotgun seasons. I almost feel like if the winter's good and they they have good food, then there's, they're going to find, uh, you know, they're going to have an opportunity to, to make it through the winter and I'll hopefully see them again next year. But with that said, uh, I feel like, I don't know. I feel, I feel, I feel really blessed to just have this opportunity and, and, uh, and, and maybe, maybe I pass, pass some really good deer this, these next three days because I know I'm going to see them. It's just a matter of getting them within shooting range. Uh, but just the way this farm lays out and where, where I feel they're going to be crossing out of this timber block in, they're going to be crossing right in front of me, right in front of this Creek, cross the Creek, hop the fence into the standing corn. And, and that's where it's at. I, I feel like I'm going to have a highway of deer coming through, coming by me all day. And so I will, uh, I don't know. Knock on wood. I, I I I wish I had some kind of strategy to talk about, but you know, st- strategy. The strategy talk this time of year is so basic, right? It's so it's yeah. betting food source. Get in. Get in on that line somewhere, and then in the morning hunt. Yep. I'm gonna say that again. I said, and both of those are more limited at this point in the season than they have been all year. Yeah. Betting yep. is more limited and feeding opportunities are more limited. Yep, absolutely. So it's really just pushing them. It's pushing them together. That's why I see grouped up deer. And that's why my cell cams are firing off and I'm seeing five, you know, f- five does in a doe group come by and then 20 minutes later, another two come by and then maybe the bucks come through. And so who knows? really what's going to happen but i will tell you this i'm going to go out and i'm going to have fun and i'm going to the ultimate goal is to get meat in the freezer uh, unfortunately with my buck like i've talked to many people about um uh you know i didn't get to harvest the meat because the uh, uh the coyotes got to it before i did unfortunately so the goal is to just get some meat in the freezer get some deer sticks made and uh hopefully i can i can get that mission accomplished yeah, well, I mean, you know what, man? I can't help but think you might need to break the camera gear out. <laughs> no way, dude. You know what I mean? I think, I think, I think you need to do a little self filming. <laughs> yeah, right. Make it, make it tougher. Yeah, make it tougher. Uh, so this is what happens. I can't, I can't, I can't wait for this to happen. <laughs> I get my my camera equipment set up. I'm like, oh, Josh, man, he he told me get the camera equipment out. I get it up. Oh, here comes the deer. I start filming. Cool, cool. Here comes the. I want to get it on camera. I want to get it on camera. Oh, man, big buck shows up. I gut shoot it and I never see it again. <laughs> like that would be the worst possible thing. And so because uh, of that, I yeah. because of scenarios like that, I just never. I don't self film anymore. Um, I just, I, yeah. I, if I want to go do something, I will, I'll, uh, I'll have a, uh, I don't know. I'll have a, I'll hire a camera guy, but until, until I hire a camera guy, there's no, there's no video equipment in the, in the timber for me. Yeah, man. I don't blame you. I'm, I'm sitting on footage right now of the first encounter I had with my buck from this year when I just grazed the top of his back and he ran off, Yeah, but I didn't get the second 
encounter with him when I actually killed him. Yeah. And so I, I did not get that on film. So just kind of like, man, that's a bummer. Right, right. Any other, like, I don't know, me, uh, me and Tony Peterson kind of joke about this every time that we record about the late season. And it's just like, oh, like I could really sit here and draw this whole podcast out for another 30 minutes talking about late season strategies, tips and tactics. But it's it's almost boring to talk about because it's not it's really not that hard to, to figure out. Especially in the mid, especially in the Midwest. Now, down south where you're yeah. at, you got to do the scouting. You got to find the food source. You got to find the tracks. Like all, all that stuff uh, is it would re- require a little bit. But from let me ask you this: Do you feel that deer use terrain features differently uh, in the let's just say October time frame as opposed to the late December time frame? Uh. I think they use the terrain features pretty similarly with the exception or with the big difference being the difference in, um, foliage yeah. and cover that's available. Yeah. So I covered last week I went and scouted, I covered six miles and I found not a single place that I would want to set up and hunt, yeah. uh, on this property because it was all just barren open hardwoods with almost no thick cover. And the deer had, obviously abandoned all these areas months ago yeah yeah so so what's that duty to your morale uh, when you scout six miles and find zero places to hunt oh dude it, it makes me wish that i lived in wisconsin still um no it, uh you know it, it was it was a pretty big blow but you know honestly it i just kind of marked that spot off at least for this time of year and it's it's on to the next spot i mean this was the hardest as far as I can tell on this 30,000 acre piece, this was the hardest spot to get to. And yeah. so I see the deer aren't using it, so I can mark that off. And now I've got nothing but easier spots to get to. So, you know, there's a little boost there. Yeah. Well, that's good, man. That's good. I, I'm glad you have, uh, at, at least, you know, we always talk about this, um, or I mentioned this when we start to talk about deer hunting and it's the places where deer are not, are just as important as where deer are. And you have six miles now that you can cross off your list and say, I don't even need to worry (laughs) about this six miles anymore because there's no deer there. Yep. That's right. That's exactly right. Cross that six miles off. Yeah. Yeah. Does it ever snow? Does it ever snow down where you're at? It does a little bit. We didn't get any with this most recent, um, with this most recent push. Uh, they've got some not very far north of me though. So we weren't, we weren't too far from it, but if it snows, it's once every couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I I always, I always share the, uh, when I lived in Alabama, (laughs) I share this story all the time. People probably have heard it 300 times since I've been doing the nine finger Chronicles podcast, but the one time it snowed when I was lived down in Alabama, they shut down everything for two days. I mean, nothing, grocery stores, gas stations, nothing was open period. And uh, so I just had to sit in my house and watch TV. And it was like just a slight covering of, of snow. Yeah. Meanwhile, hurricanes and tornadoes, they're just like, Oh yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Right. It's normal. (laughs) Right. 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 We're going to ride this one out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, we're good. We're good with this one. But, you know, a half inch dusting of snow and, and 
you can't find bread. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, do we need to touch on anything else? I think you've kind of covered what you're trying to accomplish late season. I talked a lot about what I'm trying to accomplish this late season. Uh, anything else that we should be mindful of during the late season? Yeah, man, I think I think just the last thing would be like it's that time of year to just throw it all at them. Yeah. And if you just want to take a day off and just go scout and have a good time, then go do that. Like this is the time to do it. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, dude, uh, good luck on your Alabama hunt. Good luck the rest of the season. And uh, I guess for you, I'll, I'll see you uh, shortly at the ATA show. Yeah, man. See you then.